Welcome to This Week in the Warner Archive Collection, where we discuss our newest releases. I'm George Feltenstein, and I'm proud to be joined by my colleagues, Matt Patterson and D.W. Ferranti. March comes in like a lion as Warner Archive Collection adds six new titles to the Warner Archive Collection, and they're a varying group indeed, and we actually have technically a seventh new edition, but that seventh new edition is a title that was in the Warner Archive Collection, went away for a while, and has come back looking bigger and better and more beautiful than ever because it has been, wait for it, remastered. So we're going to be talking about, first and foremost, our latest Blu-ray release, and it is season three of the acclaimed Warner Brothers television series, Longmire. We brought you seasons one and two in a Blu-ray last year, and you loved it so much. We're here with season three to start off March with Robert Taylor and the great cast of Longmire. We're very excited about that. And then another Warner legend from the era of the past and probably the most famous of all the Warner legends, Mr. Humphrey Bogart. And if you thought we released every Humphrey Bogart film in our library, you'd be wrong because there are still more waiting to be released, and we correct the sins of the past in that regard with two of the latest additions to the Bogart filmography making their DVD debut. We have Swing Your Lady from 1938, and the big news is one of the major Bogarts that has been in absentia since the days of VHS. It is The Big Shot from 1942 with Humphrey Bogart, also playing a character named Duke, as he did in The Petrified Forest from 1942, co-starring Irene Manning. Both titles remastered and now available on DVD. And then for March, we have Frederick March. And we have four titles. Three of them are new to the Warner Archive collection. One of them has been on DVD before, but not from the Warner Archive collection. The title that has been on DVD before that is now from the Warner Archive collection is the Samuel Golden production of We Live Again for 1934. Making its true DVD debut is a film that was nominated for Best Picture based on a best-selling novel, Anthony Adverse, from 1936, with Frederick March co-starring with Olivia de Havilland, a film that won multiple Oscars, including a supporting actress Oscar for Gail Sondergaard. The first, I believe. That's right. And then we have One Foot in Heaven from 1941, which Frederick March was not nominated for despite a great performance, but the film itself was nominated for Best Picture. And last but not least, we have an early Warner Archive Collection release that was derived from a master that was done in the 1980s when we were doing things like that at the very beginning. And we've gone back to the original negative and created new elements from which we've created a brand new wonderful master, The Adventures of Mark Twain with Frederick March co-starring with Alexis Smith. It's a wonderful film directed by Irving Rapper and it is now on a dual-layered DVD-9 with a beautiful remaster and a wonderful tribute to the great humorist and legendary novelist Samuel Clevens, a.k.a. Mark Twain from 1944. So we've got a lot to talk about in that regard. And then we're going to add a new feature to our Warner Archive podcast. We're going to be talking about some of the classic releases that Warner Archive Collection fans will be very excited about that are coming from our sister company, Warner Home Video. And they warrant 
attention on our podcast, so we're going to be adding a Warner Home Video section to our podcast when classics of the silver screen arrive from Warner Home Video at retail stores. We'll be giving them attention on these podcasts and discussing some of them. So a lot to talk about, a lot of additions to Warner Archive Instant, but let's celebrate the fact that we have succeeded in bringing season three of Longmire to Blu-ray. And the good news is that Longmire fans can rejoice that the series will be continuing with season four appearing on Netflix. Thanks to the fans. Thanks to the fans. It was the highest rated scripted show on A&E, Longmire. And despite the fact that around five and a half to six million people would tune in each week, they decided that those people didn't matter because they weren't 18 to 25. I think it would be appropriate in saying that most network television shows don't get ratings like Longmire was getting on A&E. And people were stupefied by the fact that this great series, which we've sung the praises of before, we also did a podcast where we interviewed Craig Johnson, the author of the Walt Longmire Mysteries, which you can't put down if you ever pick them up, and we recommend that you do so. This is a great television series, and it is built for blue. And that's why we seized on the opportunity to bring you seasons one and two on Blu-ray last year. And we're so proud, in less than a year later, to be able to come back with season three, all 10 episodes, plus a very, very impressive documentary special feature that is also on the Blu-ray. It's a three-disc set, so the discs have an ample bit rate to look gorgeous and take advantage of that. Beautiful red. And, and this is this is something kind of important because I mean and Netflix is is picking this up for season four, but when you watch it on streaming, it's still a little compressed. When you see it on these Blu-rays, it is a dynamic test of your hardware. Even on broadcast, because I still have the, the A and E you know airings on my PVR. And I compared the, yeah. the Blu-ray to the the, uh, the no, and, and it's not it's slightly ten, different. 1080i. It, yeah, you it's, know. it's it's noticeably very different. Noticeable. I mean, usually they shoot the show on the red with all the widescreen vistas yeah. of the American West, which is as much a character in the show as the great actors in it. And the show looks great. And if you really want to see it and have the true effect of the show you got to watch it on Blu-ray. This sounds a little strange. Until we but have 3D surrounds. There, there are still people who don't really know what a Blu-ray is or what the difference is. Um, over Christmas break, I visited someone and I was explaining to them how great Blu-ray was and then uh, only then discovered that they actually had a Blu-ray player. They didn't realize it. Wow. And I popped in. I actually popped in the Longmire disc and everyone was floored. I mean, it's almost like a demo disc of how cool Blu-ray can look. And and modern, you know, like, I mean, classic films look fantastic, too. Don't get me wrong. But but no, but I mean, a show that was, that is shot in HD like yeah. Longmire is with a great crew that knows to get, how to how get to the most. It. I mean, you want to see a classic film on Blu-ray because it looks filmic and you get the grain and you get the true celluloid experience, but there yeah. is a different aesthetic oh my. to Longmire that you need Blu-ray to appreciate. It's not the same as, and it's, it's not to denigrate sitcoms. There are some yeah. great sitcoms and some <laughs> of them are available on Blu-ray. Everything looks better on Blu-ray, but a show like Longmire with those outdoor vistas and the indoor shots and it's shot with the integrity. Each episode is like a small feature film. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this uh, season literally it, starts with, well, just after a bang. Yeah. And it ends I mean, with a bang. It was sure Season does. two ended with a cliffhanger. 
and the cliffhanger really propels season three because some questions are answered eventually mm-hmm. and Including season three ended with a cliffhanger so the fact that there might not have been a season four uh, was horrific to dedicated fans the fact that there will be a season four is something to rejoice but if you are a true longmire fan and we've heard from many of you out there in the longmire posse the official longmire posse yeah the many 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 members who've reached out and celebrated the fact that we did put out the blu-ray of season one and two and supported the show which is a big seller on dvd but was only going to be available on dvd we've come to fill the void with the blu-ray and <laughs> season three ten episodes plus a wonderful documentary uh, in which all the cast and some of the creative people participate. And even Craig Johnson is interviewed there. It's it's a wonderful package. And the same day that the DVD comes out, the Blu-ray comes out. And we're happy to be able to bring that your way. So we should also shout out some of the other great actors. Katie Sackhoff. Blue Diamond Phillips. Blue Diamond Phillips is amazing as Henry Standing Bear. Uh, Cassidy Freeman, uh, Bailey Chase, and uh, the Australian, but you'd never know it from the brilliant way he (laughs) hides his accent, Robert Taylor, uh, as Walt Longmire, a complex and amazing individual with integrity and honesty, which are rare commodities these days, especially on television. I, I like to say, and maybe I said this before when we were talking about it last year, but I think we are living right now in an era that is equivalent to the golden age of television of the 50s, they had live television and mm-hmm. great work was being done in New York. I think there's a golden age of television now because of what cable and mm-hmm. shows that are being produced for Netflix and Amazon, things like Orange is the New Black and House of Cards and now Longmire, and what the cable networks are doing and even what the broadcaster yep. networks are doing. There's so many opportunities for people to share their voices and make their voices heard. And there's a lot of quality television. There's a lot of not quality television as well. I'm addicted to several network shows, several cable shows, several online shows. And Matt, I know you've talked about a lot of international shows. It's amazing. Television is uh, great. (laughs) You've hit on. So Longmire is, if you have yet to be one of the people to discover its, its splendors, we urge you especially if you're a classic movie fan you're listening to the Warner Archive Collection podcast and if you love the classic westerns that we've talked about if you love procedural dramas Mm -hmm. this is everything right it's It's a throwback and a throw forward if you like procedural mysteries this is a show for you if you like character driven mysteries this is a show for you if you like westerns this is a show for you if you like shows about you know the old value shows this is a show for you it's like Kildare and monogram westerns and yeah. a modern drama all kind and, of mixed. And, you know, when I read people noir. posting online uh, about this, you know, people were saying, like, the, the only thing decent to on television to watch was Longmire. <laughs> Why did they cancel it? Well, we... Don't get us wrong. We like the indecent stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a three-disc set Longmire now available from the Warner Archive Collection in stunning 1080p Blu-ray. The only way you can see it in 1080p Blu-ray is from the Warner Archive Collection, season three of Longmire. Now it's time for DVD, 
and uh, really, I would say unequivocally, the, the king of classic Warner Brothers movies, Humphrey Bogart, with two of his films never before available on DVD. And the first film is one that he talked about with a sense of some derision, uh, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, and unrightfully so, because it's really a charming, cute movie, and he's great in it. It's called Swing Your Lady from 1938. This film <laughs> demands a modern remake, because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not kidding, this is a hillbilly wrestling comedy. Yeah, it it's is. really entertaining. Make it's a, a lot good of double fun. feature with Kansas City Bomber. Yeah, and, uh, and if you watch the trailer, and I think this is part of why uh, Mr. Bogart had mixed feelings about working on the film, is... They introduce the hillbilly singing stars that are mm -hmm. really the, the showcase of the film. Yeah. And then they talk about Warner Brothers comedy greats, Frank McHugh, Alan Jenkins, Humphrey who? Bogart. <laughs> Alan, Alan who? Great Clearly Alan, Alan who? should have been ahead of Frank McHugh as much as I love Frank McHugh. But I think Humphrey Bogart found it very strange to be sandwiched between Jenkins and Frank Pendleton. He, he's kind of like the Bradley Cooper in The Hangover. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And Bradley Cooper would be great in the remake. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely put Bradley Cooper in the But I think some, it would have to have a new title because somebody would find Swing Your Lady, you know, maybe inappropriate. Well, th know. now, the plot on this film, it's pretty simple. And it's refreshing to know in 1938, wrestling was as phony then as it is now. They roll into town with uh, their big wrestler, Nat Pendleton, and they can't find anybody to wrestle him professionally except for a lady blacksmith. And unfortunately for Bogart's character, they fall in love. And that's pretty much it. It's pretty simple. But there's a hillbilly rival. Yes. There are complications. Many complications. And there's a sports reporter that shows up, uh, played uh, by a fresh-faced young recent contract player signee by the name of... Ronald Reagan. Mr. Gorbachev, C-swing your lady. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's important to note that Humphrey Bogart came back to Warner Brothers in 1936 at the insistence of Leslie Howard for the film of The Petrified Forest, in which he was wonderful playing his stage role of Duke Mantee. But Warner Brothers didn't really know what to do with Bogart in the ensuing years, and he had a myriad of roles. So he would make films like Swing Your Lady, and then there were occasional movies where he got to show his chops a little more, like Marked Woman in 1937, mm -hmm. or even later there were films like um, they Drive by Night, where he played yeah. second banana to George Raft. But 1941's The Maltese Falcon, which George Raft turned down, provided the impetus for Bogart to really rise to stardom. And as that film was being released, Bogart was working on other films that weren't quite at the level of the films that he would arrive at once Casablanca was released at the very end of 1942 in New York and then in 1943 in the rest of the country. And so after The Maltese Falcon, he made All Through the Night and then the next film that we're about to talk about, The Big Shot from 1942, which is somewhat of a noir. It's mm -hmm. really a terrific picture. It also hasn't been mastered since the 1980s. So we went back to the camera negative made new film elements, photochemical restoration, and a new master, and hence the Big Shot is now available. So the people that have been 
requesting on Facebook and various other places that we release. Where is the big shot? Well, here it is. We wanted it to look and sound terrific, and it does. And I think one of the reasons this film isn't better known, once again, he plays a character like Duke, and he's a bad guy going for one more heist. But I think that his leading lady is Irene Manning, who was in the 1943 Desert Song that we talked about a couple mm-hmm. of months ago. She also played Faye Templeton in Yankee Doodle Dandy. But she never achieved big stardom. And I think if he was playing opposite a big right. female star from the Warner stock company like Ida Lupino or Betty Davis or right. Uh, right. Olivia de Havilland, even though I don't quite see any of them in this right. role. Right. But because there wasn't another big name leading lady in this movie, I think that might be one of the reasons why it isn't better known today, because it's certainly a good movie. Well, it's also telling that, you know, if you watch the vintage trailer for the film, like the studio itself was having trouble with Irene Manning, who's fine in the film, but like the tagline they give her is, you'll want to see more of her. Right, well, she was just starting out her career. She just passed away very recently, as a matter of fact. But she never really, she's good in every movie that she's in, but she never really clicked with audiences. And uh, I've always thought that that was probably the reason why this film wasn't more famous. But making it available helps. And making it available looking good helps. And when you're watching it on television with a master from the 1980s, that's not going to help. Also, people could get it confused with another Warner Archive release, Big Shots. Not from to mention the fact that there are also two other movies in our library. Oh, yeah, with the title Big but, Shot. Uh, <laughs> speaking to the the noir aspects of it, if you are a fan of film noir, it's an interesting film to see where yeah. it lines up and the development of that genre right. and where it diverges, especially yes. in the in the Irene Manning character who is very much a complete inversion of the future femme fatale she's character. She's certainly no Jane Greer. Yeah, no, no, no I mean, she's like she's, the, the total polar opposite of that no character. She's no Jack Kennedy. <laughs> it's also uh, part of the, more of the prison film genre. But there's, I, there's flashback, there's yeah. heist, there's prison. There's He's also a, three-time a loser. spectacular snow mountain car chase. Yes. Which is truly spectacular. The bottom line is, if you're a Bogart fan, there are certain films that are essential to be part of your library. I would say, without hesitation, The Big Shot is one of them. Yes. We're proud to bring it to you. We didn't want to bring it to you in a substandard fashion, and now it is available, so get your copy today. Now we move from one screen legend to another as we salute the great work of Frederick March, as this is a March 2015 yeah. being recorded podcast for the Warner Archive Collection. Frederick and March Madness. We start our Frederick March Madness with the return of a Samuel Goldwyn title that was available from another company that had the license to the Goldwyn Library. And now we're bringing it back. It's directed by Ruben Mamoulian. It's an adaptation of Tolstoy. And it is Frederick March and Anna Sten in We Live Again from 1934. And this is very impressive film. Goldwyn really went all out on this, right? Well, he went all out on almost everything he did because he only made three or four films a year. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing about his productions. Not every one of his productions was a success, mm-hmm. but he was very careful about the projects he chose. He tried to approach things with 
a sense of uh, gravitas. Yeah, I mean, because this yeah. was beautifully shot. I think yeah. Greg Tolan was uh, behind the camera. You know, it he has was a beautiful. He score. shot a lot of Goldwyn's yeah. uh, productions, and Goldwyn did not make B pictures. Right. I mean, uh, he <laughs> really carefully chose his projects. And there's a wonderful documentary about Goldwyn that Warner Home Video will be releasing later this year called Samuel Goldwyn, The Man and His Movies. Mm -hmm. And it deals with his whole life story and the way he approached his productions. It's a wonderful documentary that will be available later this year from Warner Home Video. But it has been seen on American Masters and it has been released on DVD before. And his story is a very, very interesting one. Very much so, yeah. But it tells you why he approached each production with the care that he did. And in this one, I think he was like kind of trying to take this, you know, Russian novel, which is these are typically very dense, and and bring it to kind of the masses, right? I mean, this was a because uh, by calling it like "We Live Again," right? That's like resurrection, right? Also, what's interesting about the film is, you know, in 1934, mm -hmm. they're allowed to make a more faithful adaptation of the source material than they probably would have been allowed to, say, in 1936. Mm. Sure. I mean, it's not – I wouldn't call it a pre-code film, but there's very mature adult things in the storyline of a nobleman, Frederick March, who mm -hmm. seduces and abandons a young girl and eventually finds his way to redemption or resurrection. And the code began to be enforced in July of 34, so this was probably put into production right. bef you know, before, before it was. It may have had some restrictions put onto it, but it is a good movie that stands on its own right and we're trying to make films available again that mm -hmm. have been out of print. This went out of print when its previous distributor uh, stopped handling the Goldwyn mm -hmm. Library and we took up the gauntlet. So there'll be more Goldwyn coming from Warner Archive as well as Warner Home Video in future months. But We Live Again is here now and we're happy about it. One other thing we're really happy about it because this took a long time to do is bring you the mighty Warner epic, <laughs> Anthony Adverse from 1936 in which Frederick March stars opposite Olivia de Havilland. This is directed by the great Mervyn Leroy, and it's based on the best-selling novel by Hervey Allen. And uh, Hervey Allen may not rec be a bell-ringing famous author because this is really the only book yeah. that he was well-known for. However, it was a big seller all over the world, as the trailer on the disc tells you. And Dan and I were discussing the books, you know, before and adapting a book like this. But this book wasn't an old 19th century book. No, it was a 1929 book. But it's epic in scope. I mean. Right. I mean, we, like. We start you know, in the backstory. It was the Thornbirds of the 30s. But, you know, yeah. when we adapted the Thornbirds in our eras, it was a miniseries. There was a lot of story to put into this, this one This was film. over Friendly. a million-dollar budget picture for Warner Brothers. This was a prestige film for Warner Brothers. And uh, it did win four Oscars. And it did have an outstanding cast and an amazing score by Eric Wolfgang Korngold. And we have a featurette on the disc called The Making of a Great Motion Picture. So it's very rare at that point in time that the studio would do a little making of piece or a yeah. little featurette. You could call it an extended trailer or a featurette, but it is something that has survived in the vaults and it adds 
gravitas yeah yeah well, and, there's, and there's great stuff in it like when uh, they had the actresses showing people the models of the sets mm. you know stuff you never get to see because that stuff was built and then gone so one of the reasons that this this is a brand new master it took us a long time to remaster it and the reason for that is is the film was cut for reissue because it runs mm. about 140 minutes and change and they cut it down as warner brothers was oft <laughs> to do for re-release and in doing so they made cuts to the original negative so what we had to do was put together the missing pieces and this is not the first time that this has been done mm -hmm. there's an old really awful looking master that was mm -hmm. done in the 80s that cobbled together those pieces as mm -hmm. well but not with the technology that we have today so it was putting all those pieces back together again trying to get to the best quality we could and make this film available for everybody as it was meant to be seen as it originally premiered and we finally did so and now it's available so it's been in the works since 2011 so, it's now 2015 and we finally have it done well you could almost name the film elements themselves adverse right this is why when we say something's in the works it sometimes takes three four five See? years because if it's a problem picture and this is a problem picture if we wanted to release the short version, we could have done that. But the long version already had been out, albeit looking not very good. Yeah. We wanted to make it the original theatrical version and due diligence, time, and dedication from our colleagues that we work with who make the magic happen in the trenches and who aren't called out enough for their heroic Herculean efforts. We salute them. We thank them and we are able to bring you Anthony Adverse because of them. We should also mention some of the other cast members. There's Claude, Claude Rains. Claude Rains. Oh, yeah. A uh, very hissable Claude Rains. Oh, he's a bad guy. And Gail Sondergaard, who we mentioned earlier uh, as Best Supporting Actress, Oscar winner, and the, the first person, as you noted, to receive that honor as it was added to it's the It's like they made mix. up the category just for her. My first exposure to the movie was not to the movie itself, mm -hmm. but... It's one of the little in-jokes in one of the Warner Brothers cartoons where in the background, it's either hairdo or stage door cartoon. I can't remember which uh -huh. cartoon. But in the background, it says of a Looney Tunes, as Elmer Fudd is buying a ticket to go into the movie theater, it says the mighty Warner epic Anthony Adverse in the background. And it was clearly an in-joke. And I think those it's one of those two cartoons. I can't remember exactly. So but Elmer I said I, this might be his favorite Well, no, film. that was the, playing across the street. Oh, oh across the, the street. He wasn't going oh. to see Anthony Adverse. But <laughs> the background painter put uh -huh. that in as a little joke. He oh, said, the cool. Mighty Warner epic. In any case, uh, it was a nominee for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. It lost to the great Ziegfeld. But uh, it is certainly a great movie. And Frederick March is great in it, as he is also great in our next film, which was also nominated for Best Picture, and that is One Foot in Heaven. And this is a charming film that we've had a lot of requests for. We tried to release it early on in the Warner Archive collection, but the film elements were in really bad shape and the master was in bad shape. So we had to work with the film elements the best that we could to get this into releasable form. Mm -hmm. And the net results, I think, are very, very impressive, especially considering what we were working with because there, it, this is one of those films where the original camera negative no longer exists. Oh. So we had to work with the best that we had and make it look as good as we could and sound as good as we could. But Frederick March plays a 
pastor who really dedicates his life to his parishioners and to his family and sacrifices in order to give to others. And it's an inspirational story. And it's a true story. A true story. And the technical advisor on the film was none other than Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Oh, I see that. <laughs> and if you are a Hollywood resident, you may recognize the, a certain church on the corner of Franklin and Highland mm. uh, was used as uh, one of the set pieces for this movie. So I, I saw that, but now I realize, oh, Just a few blocks away from yeah. where they have the Academy Awards. There's the church. But this film, um, Martha Scott plays his wife, and Frederick March is just, um, he's refreshing in a role that is not easy to play because he pulls it off. 20 it years. It doesn't come he off. He 20 years. He ages 20 years, and it doesn't come off too saccharine. Exactly. Therapy. I mean, he, he it plays has a, a light touch. He plays a very human person that has been touched by God. It's mostly episodic in nature, you know, right. taking place over a series of 20 years. Like, and that's, you know, a certain style of uh, essay style biography. And each of the little moments adds up to a, a very uh, refreshing whole. You know, and this is uh, unusual, I guess, at the time, maybe for Warner Brothers, like a spiritual film like this. And spiritual films were needed at this time as World War II and America's entry into it had not quite happened yet, mm -hmm. but the country was sensing the growing fear tide. I think the film might have been delayed for a few years by the war, and then it came out more in the middle. I think it was shot kind of more. No, no, this was, this oh, was no, released okay. in, in 41. 41. And, 41. Oh, and okay. ironically, it was nominated for Best Picture and no other Oscar nominations. Really? So that very there's, rarely happens. Yeah, there's, but it's, yeah. and I That's can see that because that occasionally still happens where the movie so moves the country that people, oh, yes, but but they don't actually single out any element, including Max Steiner's wonderful score. Uh, and speaking of Max Steiner's wonderful score, it is a hallmark of the next film, which is The Adventures of Mark Twain, in which Frederick March plays Samuel Clemens, a.k.a. Mark Twain. And unlike One Foot in Heaven, somewhat based on a true story. <laughs> and this was... Available when the Warner Archive Collection started, and when the Warner Archive Collection started, we did not have the benefit of creating new masters and remastering. We used the best available sources, and we tried to use good masters and our, our rule of not breaking original aspect ratio and certainly not using pan and scan. I think there were one or two open mat presentations, which we would never do today. But we never did pan and scan, and if a film was widescreen, 16 by 9 was the rule. With some of these older films, we used the best available master that we could, but this title deserved an upgrade. Mm -hmm. This film went under a restoration process in the lab. We had new film elements to work with. We remastered it. And now it was unavailable for a while because we pulled the old version out of distribution. We've brought it back in a new disc that does proper justice to its rather lengthy running time because this is a very substantial production. And it's really a wonderful film, and it's got a great score by Max Steiner, which sounds great in the new master. And nominator one. Okay. Nominated. And nominated for Best Special Effects. 
I read that there were the three, jumping frogs. Yeah, <laughs> the jumping frogs. But also, they made three noses. Oh, uh, for, for yeah, March's uh, Samuel Clemens is really a remarkable performance, and you kind of see March laying down the the template, yeah, like how Holbrook. Yeah, and, I mean, he sort of yeah. like like. like the the definition of Samuel Clemens in many people's popular imaginations is more Frederick March than actual Sam Clemens. There's only like a hundred feet of film yeah. of Samuel Clemens, and and apparently he he'd studied it. But but exactly what you were saying, Dan, is like that's sort of the er memory of Mark Twain himself. And this film again is also episodic in nature. It's like the famous stories, and almost in in some kind of neat way. A behind the scenes, you know, you're seeing sort of, where his right, ideas the, the came from. The conceit of the film is that many of his stories were actually coming from his life, and many of his stories actually did come from yeah, his life. that's true. Just not the jumping frogs. No. <laughs> uh, speaking of the jumping frogs, I want to call out the actor that plays Bret Hart in this, the always watchable John Carradine. He had some famous songs, yeah. I believe. And he's got kids that are working and yeah. have worked. Grandkids, too. Frederick March films are already available from the Warner Archive Collection. We've had the pleasure of bringing you some of his other works. And now we add these four to the latest lineup. And it's a good way to celebrate March and March, March Madness. Absolutely. One a week. So before we start our usual discussion of Warner Archive Instant, we're adding a new feature to our podcast where we will highlight... Warner Home Video releases that are being released to retail and to, of course, online retailers that supply DVDs and Blu-rays as Warner Archive does. If these films relate to the kind of things that we talk about here on the podcast, we're going to talk about them whenever possible. We've done this a little bit in the past, and we're going to do it a lot more in the future. And uh, the March 3rd new releases are especially close to my heart. And uh, I'm very thrilled to be able to share with all of you out there the fact that three films from 1953 are making their Blu-ray debut on 3-3 on March 3rd. And they are Calamity Jane, starring Doris Day and Howard Keel, which is a Warner Brothers film, and then two MGM musical classics, The Bandwagon with Fred Astaire and Sid Charisse, and Kiss Me, Kate, Starring Howard Keel, Catherine Grayson, Ann Miller, with music by Cole Porter, directed by George Sidney. In 3D, at last, we have these great 3D movies, vintage 3D movies in the library. And Warner Home Video has brought you in the past Dial M for Murder in True 3D, House of Wax with Vincent Price in mm-hmm. True 3D, and a film that's so great that even if you only saw it in 2D, it's still a magnificent movie. But in 3D, it'll knock your socks off and you get to have Ann Miller throw a jewelry at your face. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kiss Me Kate is not only presented in 3D, but both the 2D and the 3D, which, by the way, are on the same disc. You choose how you want to watch it. They are presented in the 16 by 9, 175 aspect ratio as originally projected. So the previous DVD of the film was 137 Open Mat, Mm. which is a way the film was shown in certain theaters because this film was exhibited when the 3D fad was kind of waning and then Kiss Me Kate and Hondo from Warner Brothers, which we no longer own, 
but we did at the time with John Wayne. They came at the end of 1953, early 1954, and kind of brought a little bit of a resurgence in 3D, and then 3D faded away only to come back years later. But the important thing about this film in 3D is it is not a conversion as most of the 3D films are that we see today. This was shot with two cameras. It was shot for the left eye and the right eye. And Warner Brothers Motion Picture Imaging has done an amazing job in creating a 3D viewing experience that is essential ownership if you have a 3D setup. And if you don't have a yeah. 3D setup, this movie is just as good in 2D. Because I don't have a 3D setup. You have one. Dan doesn't have one. But uh, when you talk about it, it makes me insanely curious. Or to, jealous. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, and this is a film that has had the benefit of circulating 3D mm-hmm. prints for mm-hmm. theaters that are capable of showing the old 3D. The right. old 3D requires... 6,000-foot reels, which most projection booths that still have projectors that show film, they need to be able to have those setups because both projectors needed to be used and run run continuously. If there was a splice in one roll, you're out of luck. And then they had to change reels, so there's a built-in intermission into these old Uh. 3D movies. So we actually have 15 of these classic 3D movies in our library. They're very expensive to bring to Blu-ray, and the success of these will portend whether there will be more. But I expect that Kiss Me Kate is going to be a bonanza on Blu-ray, and you've got... it's. One of the greatest Broadway musicals of all time. Absolutely. I mean, it is a remarkably clever, entertaining musical film that the source material is great. The source's source material is Shakespeare. I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, this was one of the musicals that even as a really young child that hated musicals until he saw That's Entertainment, loved Kiss Me Kate. Kiss Me Kate opened on Broadway, I believe, at the, like, New Year's Eve 1948. I mean, uh-huh. it was really considered a 1949 Broadway hit. Alfred Drake, Patricia Morrison, Lisa Kirk, Harold Lang, they were the Broadway cast. It was Cole Porter's first show in years to be a blockbuster on Broadway and yielded so many great hit songs, So In Love... And Why Can't You Behave, Too Darn Hot. The score was amazing. Brush up your Shakespeare. There are so many of them. And this is one of those films where they actually kept virtually every song that was written for the show. They did interpolate one number into the film that was not in the Broadway musical. It's a song called From This Moment On, which did become a hit because of it being in this film. From This Moment On was written for a Broadway show called Out of This World, cut out of town, interpolated into the score of Kiss Me Kate, and is the last to next number in the movie and is a showcase for the amazing dancing in this film. So Howard Keel, Catherine Grayson, they're the male and female leads of the film. The story is that they're a divorced couple that is reunited on stage to do The Taming of the Shrew. It's about a production of Taming of the Shrew, and Howard Keel is also directing the proceedings. And there's gangsters. And there's (laughs) gangsters played by your good friend Keenan Wynn and James Whitmore. And uh, Ann Miller plays Lois Lane, the soubrette of the film, and she is the 
younger sister in the Taming of the Shrew portion. And uh, Ann Miller was, uh, as I've said in many podcasts, a dear friend of mine. And uh, one of the funny things was about uh, Ann Miller in this movie was she said, oh, honey, it was so difficult because we had to shoot everything twice because it was in 3D. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they shot everything once. It didn't require retakes like a film that was shot in Cinemascope and flat, you know. Right. But that was her memory, and it made a good story. So she told everybody that story. But she got to dance with and perform with the amazing Tommy Rawl. If you've seen Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, if you've seen Columbia's My Sister Eileen, Tommy Rawl was an amazing dancer that didn't have enough of a screen career. And he's also in Mary Andrew, which is a Warner Archive release. He was given the prime role of Bill Calhoun and danced a lot of great uh, numbers with both Ann Miller in this movie as well as with the two other suitors of the film, which were played by Bobby Van and a guy who became a lot more famous hmm. later on when he Another decided ball? to not be in front of the camera but be in back of it or actually choreographing and directing on Broadway and then on film. And that is, of course, Bob Fosse. And Bob Fosse, Bobby Van, and Tommy Rawl dance with Ann Miller several numbers, but the From This Moment On number is particularly notable, and the reason why I'm taking so much time to talk about it was Hermes Penn was the choreographer of the film. Ann Miller saw Bob Fosse practicing some steps during the rehearsing of the movie, and this is an oft-told story, but it's true, that Ann mentioned to Hermes Penn, you've got to see this dancing that Bob Fosse is working on. I've never seen anything like it. Hermes Pan saw it and allowed Fosse to choreograph his own section of the From This Moment On number with Carol Haney, who would be the performer of Steam Heat in the Pajama Game, which he choreographed on Broadway the year after when they both escaped MGM and went to Broadway. But those 47 seconds or whatever of choreography that he did are, you know, they take your breath away. They were showcased in That's Entertainment Part 2. And most importantly, when there was a tribute to Bob Fosse done on Broadway that later toured the country of all of his work and choreography, they used those 47 seconds as his first piece of notable choreography within the context of The Fosse Show, which also became a PBS special. So just had to call it out there. I could talk forever about this. I was friendly <laughs> with George Sidney, the director. There's so much to tell. But the truth is in the movie. The movie is now on Blu-ray, 2D or 3D, all on the same disc. And I should mention that all these films that are coming out on March 3rd in Blu-ray are also available in a four-film collection that adds Singing in the Rain. Ah. Now, the other two films aren't exactly chopped liver either, and uh, they are making their Blu-ray debut, and they are amazing. First, we have Vincent Minnelli's 1953 The Bandwagon, which is in Technicolor and was brought to Blu-ray using Warner Brothers' proprietary ultra-resolution process. Mm. The ultra-resolution process brings together the three Technicolor records in a, a proprietary technology that yields optimum sharpness 
that was never possible in the optical printer. So you have a sharpness and a clarity that brings the yellow cyan and magenta records yeah, together. I, I was just going to ask. So, yes. so it's like when we normally go through the process, you know, obviously one strip of film, every frame is, right. is shot photographically scanned. I mean, right. not photographically, but scanned digitally. But with the Technicolor, it's each one is done and then that is reassembled. This That's isn't from like a composite element. Exactly. Exactly. This The first time we used this was in 2001 mm -hmm. for Singing in the Rain. And then we used it for The Adventures of Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. And we used it for Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz, which we then had to redo because Oof. for Blu-ray, they were only 2K and we needed right. to do them in 4K. And But what you do is you scan each one of the records of the original mm -hmm. negative, the yellow, the cyan, and magenta, mm -hmm. and then marry them together for unprecedented sharpness. Wow. And because you're doing it digitally, you actually end up with a sharper picture than you Th than would there then ever, ever be made in the lab. Printer. Exactly, because right. it isn't. You're not going through well, three you don't have emulsions. Layers of, yeah, exactly. It's like so. The wow. bandwagon is is to the Broadway theater what Singing in the Rain is to the movies, and that mm -hmm. is Betty Comnadoff Green wrote an original screenplay built around the songs of Howard Dietz and Arthur Schwartz. It's a story about people trying to put together a Broadway show and what people go through uh, in the process of creating a Broadway show, which Condon and Green were veterans of. It's witty. It's satiric. Fred Astaire plays a film st star who heads to New York, who's dealing with the fact that he's getting a little older and his career is kind of washed up, which Astaire's wasn't. But the, they took a little bit of liberty in that casting of the role. And Sid Charisse plays a young ballet dancer who's cast opposite him in the show that they're producing. And this was Sid Charisse's first big starring role. And of course, their pas de deux to Dancing in the Dark became one of the most famous sequences in film history. This is also the film that introduced the anthem to entertainment, that's entertainment, mm -hmm. which Steach and Schwartz wrote especially for the movie Jack Buchanan from the English Theater plays a temperamental uh, diva who's the director, and uh, James Mitchell is in the cast, Oscar Levant, and Nanette Fabre play prototypes of Comden and Green. And there's a wonderful commentary track by none other than the director's daughter, a lady named uh, Liza Minnelli, oh. and Mr. Michael Feinstein, and they provide the commentary on this Blu-ray as they did on the DVD. And uh, there's a documentary about the film. There's all sorts of other special features and a wonderful 5.1 remix of the track that sounds uh, quite dazzling. And I should also mention, of course, that Kiss Me Kate also has a 5.1 audio track. So you get to see Kiss Me Kate in 3D and you get to hear it in 5.1. Bandwagon is one of the last films shot in 137 Academy aspect ratio and it's presented that way here with the 5.1 track and its original mono track as an alternate choice because huh. it was released minorally even though it had been recorded uh, magnetically. And then last but certainly not least, from Warner Brothers, we have Doris Day starring in Calamity Jane with Howard Keel conveniently borrowed from MGM to play uh, Wild Bill Hickok. And uh, this was inspired by the success of Annie Get Your Gun, which killed its tartan at MGM. 
a Western musical with an original score by Sammy Fain and Paul Francis Webster, which yielded the Oscar-winning song Secret Love, big hit for Doris Day, and one of the most popular Warner Brothers musicals in the library. Yep. Uh, so this came out toward the end of 1953, but it was produced again in 137 Standard Square. It was probably the last mm -hmm. of those from Warner Brothers. And uh, this film has always been a perennial. It was made for uh, a television version, actually, in the 60s that Carol Burnett did because it was so popular. And if you're a fan of Deadwood, this is ah. the musical for you. Because <laughs> you got the Deadwood stage. Great score, and uh, it was had a best-selling soundtrack album. Alan Ann McLeary is also in the supporting cast. Philip Carey, who has been in a lot of whack movies we've talked about. This is a great Technicolor Western musical. It's full of fun, lots of great songs, and looks great in Blu-ray. So remember that all three of these films are now right. available in Blu-ray for the first time, remastered especially by Warner Home Video for the Blu-ray releases. And if you want to get them in a collection, you can get them with Singing the Rain, added as a fourth film for four-film collection at a bargain price. If you haven't bought Singing in the Rain yet, and I don't know why. Now's the time to get it with three other amazing films. I mean, this is this has gift set written all over yes. it. Yes, so you for have Mother's a choice. Day. You can buy your single discs, or you can buy the whole collection. There is so much entertainment there. I mean, this this shows what again. This is what Blu-ray can do. This is what Blu-ray I mean, can this do. This is a plus, and this is part of something that we talked about a long time ago about the propulsion in Blu-ray activity, both at Warner Home Video and in the Warner Archive collection, right. because we will have a lot of Blu-ray Warner Archive news to share with you in just a couple of weeks. Oof. So uh, you will stay tuned for the next podcast for that. But it wouldn't be a Warner Archive collection podcast without talking about Warner Archive Instant, our subscription video on demand service where you can get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies available on your PC, Mac, Roku, uh, you can use your iPad, and via AirPlay, you can see it on Apple TV. Absolutely. And we can mention also that we have hundreds and hundreds of hours of television programming in oh addition my. to the hundreds and hundreds of movies. So you're not a movie fan unless you're a member of Warner Archive Instant. You could try it for a month for free. One month free. One month free. Very, very important if you're not already a member. Take a sample. Try it. You'll like it. Each week, we always mention our picks of something new to Warner Archive Instant or maybe something we haven't talked about for Warner Archive Instant. And we have recommendations every week. Matt, what is your recommendation this week? Let's see. We went from the super high end of the Warner Library as of today, and now we're getting into kind of like the more obscure uh, end. I watched... Stop Your Killing Me from 1952. In color, Which, interestingly, is a remake of A Slight Case of Murder from 1938. Which is also in Warner Archive Instant. Yes, also, and we talked about a little earlier. Um, one of my little fun things, one of the great things you can do with Warner Archive is watch remakes and stuff, and it's kind of a fun mental game to uh, see how things are different and how they are the same. And this, the plot on this one is, is kind of fun, both based off the same play. Uh, it's 1933, 
a gangster who's been illegally brewing beer decides not to get out of the beer business. Uh, he's going to stay in. He builds a legitimate brewery, but there's only one problem. The beer tastes awful, which is a great gag where people just keep spitting it into plants or whatever is handy. And then to top it off, when they go to uh, their summer home in Saratoga Springs to bet some money on the horses, there's some money missing and four dead bodies turn up inconveniently in a spare bedroom and hilarity ensues. Now, we should mention uh, that this film is not available on DVD. No. But you can see it on Warner Archive Instant. And why, you ask, is it not available on DVD? Why is it not available on DVD? Because we need to create a new master worthy of DVD. One of the great things about Warner Archive Instant is we have a huge percentage of our content that is 1080p HD, and it's the only place where you can see this content in 1080p HD. At the other end of the spectrum, if something is very, very rare and it isn't available anywhere else, and the master isn't maybe the greatest in the world, it's, but it's, it's a little there, <laughs> this is what we've done is we made Stop Your Killing Me available with the best existing master until we remaster it, and then we'll upgrade it the next time it's in Warner Archive Instant because titles go in and out frequently. But this gives you a chance to see this film, and a lot of people have requested it. So until our new master is ready, you can see it on Warner Archive Instant. There is, however, something that has not really been called out because this is not just a remake uh-huh. of A Slight Case of Murder. It's a musical oh, remake. Yeah. And where else can you see Broderick Crawford <laughs> right, sing? You. Broderick Crawford singing, people. <laughs> Broderick Crawford, he did not make a Mambo album like Robert Mitchell. I'm sorry. And that's why, as we were talking about Kiss Me Kate in 3D and scanning each of the uh, you know negatives for Technicolor, I was just thinking, well, and now this is a different kind of musical. And a different kind of color because Warner oh, Color yeah. was, a, was an early Eastman Color process that Composite. used one strip of film instead yeah. of three strips of film and uh, it was a way to save money but and the color doesn't look the same as Technicolor. Yeah. But it's, still, it's a fun film <laughs> it and sure is. Um, you get to see Colonel Potter uh, jump out a window. That's always fun. And as a villain. I, you know, I'm sorry, I just because Harry Morgan is always going to be in my head for MASH. I can't help it. Dan, what is your pick this week? Well, it's one pick, but it's one pick that stands for many. One of the, speaking of seeing things in 1080p HD that mm-hmm. you won't actually be able to see in 1080p HD anywhere else, there's a whole kit and caboodle of Bowery Boys pictures. Yes. Now on instant, in high definition, and now's your chance to see them as never seen before. My one call out out of many is Private Eyes. Because it features psychic powers, a detective agency, a health sanitarium, and fur smuggling. That's a recipe for success. And it ha- actually has one of Leo Gorsi's and Hunt's Hall's, in my humble opinions, finest little bits when they're undercover playing the psychiatrist and the patient sneaking into the sanitarium. That is fine. Well, that's a, that you, only makes sense in a Bowery Boys movie. And you see in Leo's impersonation how much he actually got from his beloved father because it's a very Bernard Gorsi impersonation. How many uh, Bowery Boys movies were there? It was because There were the 48 and 48. I think we've got probably over two dozen yeah, available like in service right now. 30. There were wow. a few that went up 
a few months ago, and now we've just added a whole boatload. And uh, they're really uh, quite quite amazing to see in, in HD. It's really a great it, deal of fun. It feels, you know, one of the things, because we said this when the DVDs came out again, you know, these feel like almost long TV episodes. You can just pound these out one after the other. It's like a binge-watching Bowery Boys Bonanza. Bonanza is not on Warner Archive. Oh, sorry. I don't want to mislead anybody. Okay. My pick is Tomorrow is Another Day, which is a Warner Brothers soap opera of the highest order. And uh, this is a romantic film. This is one of the titles that was available early Mm -hmm. in the Warner Archive collection. And it's a classic nineteen early 1950s uh, romancer that really is uh, a woman's picture that guys can enjo- enjoy too. So I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. This is the way to do it. Is and that, films that you would not normally maybe choose to buy, you get to taste it, and sample them as you graze and browse through Warner Archive Instant. That's what's great about being a member. It's just like a, uh, a click to explore. Instant.warnerarchive.com is the URL for the service, and you'll never be disappointed as you stay a lifelong member. Life. So this is usually the part of the Warner Archive Collection Podcast where we share letters, but we don't have any letters to share, and that may be because we just moved our offices within the building here at Warner Brothers. So we've moved into swanky new digs, but they're on a different floor and they require a different address. So we're hoping that if you sent in a letter and we haven't read it, maybe we didn't receive it because it got lost in the Warner mailroom. We did recently find a whole bunch of mail in uh, like by a microwave somewhere. And that was we were like, wow, look at all this stuff we got. But let me uh, give you the new address so that it at least has a chance to get to us. Please send your letters to Warner Archive Podcast B160-2, and that's 3400 Riverside Drive, Burbank, California, 91522. And let me also mention that this March uh, of 2015, March 23rd to be exact, will be our sixth birthday of the Warner Archive Collection. The Warner Archive Collection may have moved offices, and there have been some yeah. changes within the company, and uh, the changes are for the better for the Warner Archive Collection. We're here. We have a robust, rambunctious schedule for you mm-hmm. of DVDs and Blu-rays and titles being added to Warner Archive Instant, and we'll be sharing lots of cinemabilia with you. We, we've got five weeks of releases for March. That's right. Yeah. And each taste will be attended to because yeah. we have the cartoons that the cartoon fans are mm-hmm. wanting and the TV that the TV fans are wanting and series which people are waiting for new seasons of. They're coming too. So some of the feature films that people have been asking for for years are finally ready for release. So there's a lot of exciting news that we're going to be imparting in the coming weeks. So make sure that you look for those next podcasts and our podcasts are back on iTunes. Yeah. So if you missed any of the podcasts, we've always been doing them all the way through. But there was a technical glitch that made some of the podcasts from December and January 
not uh, available. So right. check back as we repost them and repopulate them so you can hear all the witty things we had to say. That about wraps up this week's Warner Archive Collection podcast, but fret not. We will be back next week with a passel of new releases to excite your cinematic funny bones. So until that time, I'm George Feltenstein. I'm Matthew Patterson. Shiner Ward. <laughs> Thanks, and we'll look forward to the next Warner Archive podcast. <laughs>